I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Raptors Over Everything brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada. My name is Iman, and today I'm joined with by Asad. Asad, how are you? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good, good. Um, it has been a week of NBA basketball being back, which is so exciting, but also brings a ton of heart palpitations and uh, angst and fury already. My beef with Zach Zarba is back in full throttle. The Raptors have gone one and two in their first week of basketball. I'd like to start there. I want to start off with the latest game. Let's just jump right into it. So what were your thoughts on the week as a whole? But let's start with the Philadelphia 76ers game. Uh the Philly game was uh I think it was I think it was illuminating kind of on what this Raptors team might be this season. Um you got to see a lot of sparks from the younger players. Scotty Barnes was amazing across the board you saw Grady Dick have his first uh NBA points and have his first real breakout he played extended minutes um uh, and then you also kind of saw uh some of the gaps that the Raptors do have they were short OG Ananobi Precious Chu was out for the second half so again those are two big defensive pieces for them and again in OG Ananobi that's a big offensive piece as well uh but again you're playing a Sixers team that's without James Harden but with James Harden that team is a team that wants to contend and I think without them, they're still a very formidable team. Tyrese Maxey's taking a jump, as we saw. And I think the most noticeable thing was that with all the changes the Raptors made in their defensive scheme, I think we've seen the matchup with Philly a lot. So this was how you really saw what has changed with the Raptors scheme. They weren't, you know, sending random doubles to Joel Embiid as much. They were playing him single coverage. And he more or less feasted at the free throw line whenever he wanted. When the Raptors did send doubles, the Sixers did have trouble passing. But again, the Raptors played it more conservatively and Joel Embiid didn't seem too bothered. And then on the flip side, there still is no answer for Tyrese Maxey. It seems that, you know, whether you swap out Fred Van Vliet for Dennis Schroeder, that point of attack defense against Tyrese Maxey specifically is still an issue because he's just too quick, too fast and too good of a shooter. But I think there's still some positives to take away. They fought till the end. They had one bad stretch in the third quarter, which really they blew it away. And again, the issues on this team remain turnovers, uh, which you should expect in the early season, given, you know, the new offense they're trying to install. Um, and just like kind of, I think, figuring out the hierarchy of like who's going to get what look when and how to get guys involved. Uh, Pascal Siakam only had two shots in the second half. It seemed at times that he was almost playing like, um, a role player more than, you know, someone who the offense was geared towards. Um, and that's obviously something that will have to change moving forward just to get the most out of him uh, and for the team's success in general. But it was cool to see him play. You saw the young guys show out. And I think moving forward in the season, you're going to see the Raptors are probably one of these like middle tier teams when they play their best, they look amazing. Like they did in, you know, the first half of like that, a good chunk of that Chicago game. Uh, and then at sometimes they will look like a young team that, you know, is not as good uh, like the 
end of that Chicago game and that third quarter against Philadelphia. So uh, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing to take away. And I'm glad you sort of framed it in that way. I wanted to start with this with the Philadelphia 76ers game, not just because it was the last game that they played, of course, but also it was the one game that I felt comfortable with them losing. <laughs> you know, like for one, yes, they were down OG Ananobi, down Precious Situa at the second half of that game. But also in that third quarter, the starters got outworked. And it's like, okay, well, this is a team that is, better quite frankly than the Toronto Raptors even without James Harden Joel Embiid you know for the reigning MVP um they came out and they just looked better than the Toronto Raptors and so felt comfortable losing that one the Chicago game you mentioned it and already I'm just like ugh, how the Raptors let that one slip the last two minutes report if you guys have not seen it uh DeMar DeRozan traveled (laughs) and should not have been taking free throws on that one um and also uh was it Alex Caruso who flopped is that the other yeah the foul? Pascal Siakam offensive foul on the inbounds was also said to be a wrong decision but Which is... in in any case like the thing that sucks is like again the Philly game was also a second item of back-to-back so you kind of yeah. have to eat it yeah also the NBA scheduling it like I swear Nick Nurse it has an in with NBA schedulers because why are the first two games against Phillies both on the second night against uh, second night of back to backs with the Raptors? Uh, I'm just saying a little sus, but what was that in last year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so like obviously, like the Philly game, whatever you can call it a scheduled loss if you want. Um, but I think there's also just like a difference in quality oh. between the two teams. Yeah. But that Chicago game is like you go to overtime on the first day of a back to back. It's just like that's a tough one to take. It's a it's a brutal one to let slip, but it's only one out of 82 games. It feels yeah. like a lot right now because they've only played three games, but it is only one out of 82. Um, and hopefully very many of them will not have Zach Zarba as an official. <laughs> but uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Zach Zarba, don't come for me. Um so, okay, let's let's get back. So let's focus in on those first two games. And I think there's a lot to be optimistic. You're looking at a record that's one and two, and you're thinking you're losing more than you're winning. Uh, this, this hasn't been a great start, but I don't necessarily think so. I think your point about the Philadelphia 76ers game being a scheduled loss is a good one. I also think that, like, they were competitive in that game. Yes, the third quarter happened, but they were competitive in it. They fought to the end. Um And then you had the Chicago game where the starters looked phenomenal, especially to start out that first quarter. And even in the fourth, even walking away with the game, you kind of felt comfortable. I don't know about you, but I felt very comfortable with four minutes ago in the fourth. I think they were up double digits. There was reason to be comfortable. The way that that game slipped through their fingers, it kind of feels like a once in a lifetime thing, kind of like missing 17 or 18 free throws in a game. It just feels like I DR has some magic. I credit it all to her because that was some like magic that went in there. And then the game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Raptors look good. And I thought that they did as well in the Chicago game. So I think there's reasons to be optimistic about this team. Now, this team looks very different than last season, too. So I want to get into that um, and, and how different it looks. You mentioned it already with um, Pascal Siakam not being as featured part of the offense, especially as we saw in the second half of the Sixers game. But also the ball is moving a ton. And... Uh, I'll I'll let you sort of because I, I know you you have a stat. We're gonna give you guys a stat in the next segment, but before we get to that, what are your thoughts on how different the Raptors offense has looked? Yeah, so uh just to scope it in, uh the Raptors uh basically last season, um they were eighth in passes. Um they're averaging about 292 a game. 
Uh, they were 23rd in the league in assists and 17th in potential assists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their average time per touch was about three seconds, 3.04. Uh, this season, the Raptors are second so far in passes made after three games at 312. So that's like an extra 20 passes a game being made. Uh, they're seventh in assists. They're fourth in potential assists. So again, that gap is you're always going to have more potential assistance assists, but the fact that there's a ranking difference that kind of also comes down to their uh, finishing ability, which we'll get to, but their touch time has dropped from three seconds, three and a half seconds, 3.04 seconds per touch to 2.8 seconds per touch. So, but almost like 0.25 seconds per touch. So the ball isn't sticking as much. You've yeah. obviously seen that. You're just not seeing any ISO really. The Raptors ISO frequency has like dropped off completely. And at most, like the longest a player might be holding the ball would be like Scotty Barnes when he comes down and, you know, wants to get his own or Malachi Flynn when he's kind of struggling to dribble around. But that's a different issue for a different day. Uh, the big thing, though, I want to point out, though, of the offense entirety is there's definitely a different method to the offense. Yeah. Uh, but the Raptors currently are shooting, have an effective field goal percentage. So this equalizes threes and twos of yeah. uh, 51% this this season so far through three games. Uh, last season, they were at 51.7% effective field goal percent. So effectively the same, again, small sample. And the Raptors have been shooting really well from three, surprisingly, the first three games. But their interior finishing has not been up to scuff. So... I think a lot of that will just come down to as they get their spacing a little bit better at the time, their cuts better time, their screens better. You'll see some of that kind of like clogged uh, paint area and clogged inside kind of open up a bit more where the advantage they're trying to create will be more fruitful for them. But for now, what we've seen is the method has definitely been different. Uh, The results have been uh, (laughs) more, more or less the same, if not a little bit worse than the half court, but Again, early times, early times. It's a new offense they're learning. So, yeah, it's it's still so incredibly early. I mean, Jalen McDaniels has not made his first NBA <laughs> basket of the season. It's still three games in. Gary, uh, Grady Dick just had his, and he had a breakout in his. Like he didn't yeah. only just have his first few points, but uh, he he went on to score double digit points in an NBA game. So he and he was he was lights out just hitting those threes. But um. I'm glad you mentioned it. So this this season, what I really want to do with you guys this year is give you guys a cool stat or something that I'm looking at. Now, this week, you mentioned it. The team shooting much better, not much better, but like from deep, a good amount, a percentage that is respectable, commendable even. And from two, not so great. And really what I wanted to do is focus in on the guards because I think that that's going to be a very big thing for this Toronto Raptors team this year. With the Raptors running a ton of dribble handoffs, you need your guards to be able to get downhill and be able to finish. And that's something that we're really not seeing with the guards. So let me break it down for you right now. The Raptors are shooting uh, as a team. This is the entire team are shooting 38 or 39, 38.8% from deep, which again, 39% from deep, respectable, commendable, good job, guys. Uh, And from two-point range, they're shooting 46.1%, which would be third worst in the league. You know, only the Knicks and the Heat, two teams that are, hey, finding their way throughout this early bit of the season as well, are the only two teams that are struggling more than them. But let's actually take this to the guards. As I mentioned, this is going to be an important part for the Raptors this season. So if we break this down, I'm going to give you, well, it started off with Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. 
is shooting 37% from deep, which is great, but only 33.3% from two-point range. To put that in perspective, he's made more threes on the season than he has made twos. He's seven of 19 from deep and six of 18 from two. So he's hitting his threes. He's just not finishing those twos. And we know that his finishing in transition, we saw it a little bit in the preseason as well, is a little suspect. And it's not something that I would expect to continue. It seems like that's something that should be (laughs) figured out or fixed as the season goes on. But that's something to really keep your eye on is that three versus two discrepancy or disparity there. Uh, Let's jump over to Dennis Schroeder. So Dennis Schroeder is shooting 52% over 52%, nearly 53% from deep. He is 10 of 19. So he's been absolutely lights out from three. You get it to that two-point range, he's six of 23. He's shooting 26% from two-point range and better than Stephen Curry numbers to start the season from deep, okay? Like there is a, a wide discrepancy and disparity there. And then finally, we have Malachi Flynn. Malachi Flynn is three for four, on his threes this season, three for four, 75%. He's been amazing, lights out from deep. But you get in to the two-point arc, you get inside the arc, and it's over for four. So he's taken eight shots, and all three of them have come from beyond the arc. Again, 0% or whatever that we had, 0% uh, from two-point range and 75% from beyond the arc. I think that that's something to really watch. It's not something that I would expect to persist as the season goes on. And there's a reason why this is really important. Like uh, if people are wondering why like guards inside the arc matters, like, yeah, like our three point shooting has been fine, but you need guys to get downhill. (laughs) Exactly. Quite frankly, it's like, you're coming off of these DHOs. And like, if you have Scotty Barnes, Yaka Pertle, um, Pascal Siakam's, you know, running these DHOs where they're just handing off and then our screeners, and then rolling like the guards are the ones that are taking the advantage of going downhill yeah. in the Philadelphia game. You saw often Philadelphia, Joel Embiid would shade over to whoever was rolling and just basically dare the guards to shoot over, you know, Philadelphia contesting late from behind or whatever, but fairly like makeable runners and floaters and Gary Trent Jr. And Dennis Schroeder, who've been taking the bulk of those uh, just have not been completing those. And until they can complete those, that penetration is not becoming fruitful because it's not creating assists um, if the defense isn't helping over. And if you're not making the shot, then you've just run this intricate action. And then after you miss that shot, your guard is underneath the basket. Your big is also underneath the basket and the other team's breaking the other way um, in transition. So it becomes a little bit trickier that way. So those are the two. That's the stat that like I'm really curious to see improve. Like, yes, their first game was against Rudy Gobert and a Wolves team that plays two centers. Your third game is against Joel Embiid. But even then, like, there's a like there's a middle ground to find. Like, your lows can't be this incredibly low. Um, and I expect it to even out. The Raptors shooting is most likely going to dip as the season goes on. It's kind of not really sustainable to shoot 39% from three, I don't think, for this team throughout the season. But their two-point shooting. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He has to improve, especially from their guards, if their guards are going to be responsible uh, or are going to be the ones taking advantage of all of the screening action that the Raptors are running. All right, so now that we've talked about some of the guard trouble scoring inside, let's talk about something that's a little bit more bright, which is Scotty Barnes, who's been an absolute beast to start the season. His efficiency, his scoring numbers have just gone up across the board, um, but his efficiency is the thing that I really want to focus in on here. So Scotty Barnes, 22 for 35 on the season inside the arc, meaning he's shooting 63%. And he's still taking threes as well and shooting 36% there. I think that inside the arc number, just being the guy to take the most twos on the team and shooting it at an incredibly efficient rate is something that we want to see. Scotty Barnes is generally bigger than anybody else he's going up against. And his ability to dominate that matchup and not shy away from contact, finish over guys, and just be a big guy inside has been an absolute steal and a dream to watch. He's also... Um, handling the ball more and just doing a lot more and being able to take that next step offensively has just been a treat. What are your thoughts on, on Scotty Barnes early, early parts of the season? Yeah, Scotty's been awesome. Uh, you know, he's had a, a little bit of turnover, turnover worry in the first two games, but yeah. you know, he took, he took accountability of that in the post game after Chicago, he seemed to be pretty torn up about his late turnover. And then in that Philly game, he tightened it up. Uh, and you know, there was no real complaints with Scotty in that Philadelphia game. Um, he was, he showed his aggressiveness. He was but, the best player on the court. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like looking at just like this season versus last season, like his touches are up. He went from 73 touches to 81 so far in the season. Um, his spending less time on those touches, about 20 seconds yeah. less per touch. And his points per touch have gone from 0. 0.2, 0. 0.21 to 0. 0.26. So he's just scoring, like he's, more efficient with his touches. So he's getting more points out of them. And one of the things that I think we saw in the Philadelphia game, he had a number of turnaround uh, jumpers and a number of pull-up jumpers. Uh, and yeah. he's been very efficient with those. Uh, so small sample size theater, nothing to get too crazy about. It's only three games. We're getting uh, crazy about it. He's taking 3.7 attempts a game right now. And he's shooting 72% on his pull-ups. Uh, compared to last season, he was averaging 2.9. Championship parade route. MVP. Exactly. Call it now. Last season, he was at 2.9 a game, so he's taking an attempt more per game, and he's at 31%. So, obviously, that's going to normalize over the season, but it's a good early sign that he's, A, confident in that shot, and that, take, he's, yeah, that he's taking it. more. Like, the yeah. fact that he's taking more and he's confident in it is already yeah. a good sign. The percentages are probably going to come down, obviously. No one's shooting no. 72% unless you're, like, prime Kevin Durant in, like, the hottest month of his life. And but, who's to say he's not? And yeah, and who's to say he's not? But, you know, even if that comes down to like a 45, 50%, that's still, you know, incredible to have as, and that's like, those are one of those, like pull-up shooting is one of the things that your number one guy needs to have. Yeah. And for Scotty Barnes coming into the season, I don't think pull-up shooting was something that we expected from him at all. 
Um, I think at best it was like, hey, if he can improve his catch and shoot three-point shooting, if he can be a little bit better with his turnovers and be a more aggressive going to the rim, we'd be all happy with that. Yeah. But for his pull-up shooting to already be ahead of um this this ahead of the game, uh, that's that's a promising stat early on. Uh so that's the one thing like Scotty has impressed me on top of everything else in his game has been his aggressiveness and just like how good his shooting has really been. <laughs> looking to score is so important. Um, yeah, I, I also just like looking through the numbers. I'm like, Odie Kenobi has missed one two point shot and it was this midi that like probably <laughs> should not have taken. But outside of that, seven of eight, like, oh my goodness. And also just like insanely efficient from deep as well. It sucks that he had to miss a game. So again, we're talking about a small sample size and a sample size that just got smaller by yeah. 33%. Um, so yeah, but but I just think this early season, although the record looks a little bleak, I think there's reason to be optimistic about this team. Um, also, just wanted to get, we've been focusing a lot on offense. In fact, the last podcast that I did was offense focused specifically. Let's just position ourselves and just turn it over to the defensive end as well, because we're not just seeing major changes on the offensive end. We're seeing it defensively as well. So what are your thoughts on how the Raptors have looked on that end? Uh, I think in the first two games, the Raptors defensively look pretty solid. I think their starting unit, like when OG Ananobi's healthy and Yaka Pirtle's in there, Yaka Pirtle did have a very tough game in Philly. So I'm going to chalk that up to be kind of like a one-off um, until further notice. Uh, but the first two games, whenever Yaka has been in, the defensive rebounding has been incredibly solid. Yeah. Um, the Raptors look big. They look athletic. They look very, very like they shut down Chicago to start that game. Um, the starters did before the bench came in and kind of were wobbly. And that's kind of the the things we've seen. One thing the Raptors have been really good at with their starting unit is getting stops, getting defensive rebounds, and then turning those defensive rebounds into transition. The bench unit. Not so much. The Whenever we've had Precious Achua at the five or Scotty Barnes at the five, the defensive rebounding, just because I think this general size becomes a little bit smaller, the unit becomes a little bit more, um, they'll switch maybe a little bit more or they'll you know kind of cross-match and transition when they get back. So the defensive rebounding hasn't been as great um, in those lineups, and that's where you've seen the, the couple flaws that we've seen with the Raptors defense this season has been, A, it's the, when they turn the ball around offense, the other team is scoring points off turnover pretty easily um so the transition defense like things like that will pick up of course it's always hard to stop people off of turnovers just because your defense is in a scramble uh and then the other thing is just offensive rebounds the, the couple games where they've had trouble or the stretches of games where they've had trouble is where they've given up a lot of offensive rebounds which have like automatically led to points consistently so as i think the season goes along um and obviously the starting unit has played a lot together in the past the bench units, not so much. Malachi Flynn getting minutes for the first time in a while. Um, and he's a very small guard at that too, right? So like not exactly the best defender either. Um, Precious Achua still ramping up and getting back into his rhythm. And again, he's playing a completely different scheme than he was last season. Um, he's a young player. It takes a while to do that. His defensive positioning has been kind of here and there. Chicago wasn't very good. Philadelphia was quite a bit better. Uh, Scotty Barnes has been, I think, awesome all the way. But at the same time, Scotty Barnes has kind of been playing one man, do whatever he wants on defense uh, to kind of gamble a bit. And sometimes that means five blocks against Chicago on the help side. Other times it means, you know, closing out on trying to trap Tyrese Maxey at half court, getting split and Maxey gets an open layup out of it. Uh, so, you know, it's it's hit or miss. It's obviously going to be a bit of a balance. I think Scotty's been making better, more good defensive plays and more sound defensive plays than he has the other way. 
but uh as a bench unit that you know you're integrating grady dick for the first time um he had three fouls in like the first five six minutes of his run uh these are these are young players especially in the bench that haven't really played as much together so i think give them a few games i think then we're going to kind of see a bit more consistency but i do think the raptors starting unit defense has like an incredibly high potential if not top 10 they can be like a top five defensive unit in the league and then their bench it's just more about how can they kind of hone in on the simple things defensive rebound as a group you know stay solid don't foul too much things like that so those are things that i would expect to improve in time but in the early season i think there is like some really 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 good positive outlook for that that side of the court for the raptors okay here's my my conspiracy theory the raptors play the portland trailblazers this early on in the season because they played nick nurse played demar Derozan. i think they thought something was going to happen I think schedule makers were like, listen, I don't know if it's, you know, a Pascal Siakam for Scoot situation. I don't know if Dame becomes a Raptor. I don't know what, but let's just put Blazers Raptors early on because something's going to happen. And um, no, nothing has happened here. So it's going to be the Toronto Raptors uh, playing the Portland Trailblazers on Monday. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that game? Uh, it should be okay. Look, the Trailblazers they they just played against uh the Sixers the night before, so yeah. they're on the second night of back to back. Uh, it's a young team, and it plays like a young team. Scoot Henderson hasn't necessarily had the best start to his season. He's been kind of a little bit shaky. Uh, the team's defense has been a little bit shaky. It should be interesting. Again, the Raptors bigs like you're going up against DeAndre Ayton, who can be formidable on any given night. The Raptors have had a lot of success against him. But we'll see how, you know, they can do against him per se. Uh, and then, you know, is that team going to really, realistically, the Raptors should win that game. I, like, there's no real roundabout <laughs> way to do it. Shaden Sharp, you know, it's a homecoming for him. You know, Canadians love to show out when they come here. So. Okay, yeah, let me not disrespect Shaden Sharp. Maybe <laughs> it's an early season game because schedule makers just wanted Shaden to, to come home for a bit. Yeah, so... I would expect a big game from Shaden Sharp just because that's kind of what happens when the Canadians come home. But I think the Raptors should win this game. Uh, Scoot Henderson, though, is an electric point guard. He's very athletic. So the Raptors have had trouble with athletic point guards in the past. And Scoot Henderson is due for a good game. So who knows? Uh, we'll we'll kind of see how that kind of head-to-head matchup goes. Uh, but I, I would hope that the Raptors can take care of this matchup. Um, your hope to see Precious Achua and OG Ananobi back. Uh, I know OG's yeah. got cramps, so if he's back, then I think it should be pretty easy for the Raptors if they have their full starting lineup. Uh, if they're missing both OG and Precious, then I can see things getting a little bit squirrely, but the Raptors should have the talent to handle this team. Uh, and it'll really come down to which team can be more of the a veteran team. And I would imagine the Raptors should be that. The Raptors haven't really shown the best uh, ability to close out yet, but they do have the vets to close out games. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I expect Scotty Barnes to do well. Really, like he'd be facing up against Jeremy Grant. Um, Jeremy Grant, and I think Matisse Thybul, um is on their wing. So, like, I don't know how many defenders Portland will really be able to throw on them. Also, Jeremy Grant, like, how much is he trying on the defensive end versus just, you know, kind of. I'm a good player on a bad team. Let me get my stats and go home. So it should be interesting. I would hope the Raptors pull out the win um, and probably a very commanding win if they can. Uh, It's a young team. Should beat up on them and move on. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I would I would hope so, but I've also gotten on here before like a Charlotte Hornets game and like they're gonna win, duh. And then they come out um and get absolutely uh or lose. I don't know, Jeremy Lamb hits a game winner on you or something. So crazier things have happened. I do kind of I like that you brought up OG Ananobi. To me, this is like if it's just cramps, hopefully those cramps have gone away, right? Like hopefully, um, so I would like to see OG Ananobi back, but I think we've talked a little bit about bench struggles. Um, and I would hope that a game like this, just to get familiarity, if you do happen to blow out a team like the Portland Trailblazers, well, that leaves a lot of minutes for your bench. And so hopefully they can get some familiarity, some comfortability, some shots down for Jalen McDaniels, just some things to go in to help sort of smooth over the season. Because, you know, Four preseason games is not a lot of preseason games, right? It's less than they had last year. Last year was five. Um, but it's also a big cutback from what they used to do in the NBA as as the season sort of gets more rest. And so everything's been stretched out and preseason has been cut for that reason. And I think you start to see that at the beginning of the season. I think you start to see a little bit of rust when normally you would have eight preseason games. And so we'd still be talking about the preseason as opposed to it being the start of the season. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market and you have three games under your belt so that that you know fingers slipping and the ball being turned over and fouls and refs calling things that they shouldn't be calling that would have been a preseason game under normal circumstances and I think we're starting to see a little bit of that but hopefully after Portland we're back in what a normal regular scheduled season would look like and Portland is a team that I don't think is looking to win and the Raptors are a team that should regardless of anything be looking to win because they don't have their pick this season and so this should be a good game for Toronto fingers crossed that we're not jinxing it here but um yeah that's everything for me what do you have you have anything else to, to add here or plug uh nothing really um we doing coverage at pros and claws at dotsupsack.com all season uh, so check us out there uh my Twitter's at Suar Lasers, as always. You can check me out there as well. Um, we'll usually have a piece out this week going over some key stats for the Raptors as well. And then, uh, you know, stuff throughout the week. Uh, interesting stuff on the NBA as well as the Raptors. So um, on just top of to, Yahoo is right there. Just to add in that pros and claws um, plug, I will be putting out a piece this week as well, talking about how I got Tim Donahue on Dishes and Dimes and what my thought process was to get Tim Tim Donahue on Dishes and Dimes. Did I think it was a good idea why I did it um, and why I think it's important conversation for us to continue to have and why it won't be a standalone episode and we'll be getting more out there for you. So check out that because I'm getting all my thoughts and feelings out on paper and should be putting that out sometime this week. So everyone, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Raptors Over Everything. Hopefully the next time we come in here to talk, we're not talking about a bad stat of the week to focus in on, but we're talking about some good things because the Raptors are on a winning spree. 
I don't know. Is it called a spring? No, it's called the streak. It's still early, guys. I'm in early season form. Thanks, everybody, and peace out.